1: So many, so many damn books. Oh man. Uh, so, uh,
0: welcome. It's a new year. Yeah, happy 2015. It's a new dawn. It's a new day. It doesn't feel like a new year. No, it doesn't. It feels cold outside. Eventually, I'll delete my Christmas music off the iPod. Oh god. Last year, hopefully by June. Last year, I waited till March. It's uh, not
1: Christmas anymore, man. So stuff it. It's gonna be cold and dark for the next six weeks. Yeah, and
0: that's why we're gonna talk about nonfiction.
1: <laughs> All right,
0: <laughs> where
1: where you <laughs> <laughs> where where the universe and life is just so tough that you have to write about it. Exactly. Yeah. Is, Do you read a lot of nonfiction? No, yeah. I don't read like any. I don't know why that is either.
0: Um. One of the one of the things that makes me read nonfiction is when, like, someone says, it reads like a novel.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, the best example that I can think of off the top of my head for that is Larry Wright's uh, Going Clear. Lawrence oh, yeah? Lawrence Wright's Going Clear, the Scientology book. <laughs> You're real close with um, that. L-
0: Lawrence Wright, all
1: of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Larry. Um, Did you hear about HBO hiring 160 lawyers? 160 lawyers to vet the series? Yeah. I mean, because you have to with those guys. But that book... It reads, it has this. Even though it is very journalistic, it reads with this propulsive energy of like, what is the next crazy thing that's going to be said? What like, what's going to happen next? Okay, and here's the
0: here's the thing that happens to me with nonfiction is when I do decide to read one, and I chose whatever has made me jump the you know continents from fiction to nonfiction. Mm-hmm. I'm always really pleased. Like I'm like I'm amazed by it, and it and it's even better because it's true. And so I, I always wonder, like, why do I stick away from it? Like, what, what, what is your roadblock? Why don't you read nonfiction more?
1: This goes for fiction as well as for other forms of artistic expression, film, TV, theater. I live in the real world, and I would rather spend my time escaping from it in some way, not even be like my life isn't that bad. I will readily admit that, but I would rather read something, even if it is completely like Ben Lerner's book, that is just, it's straightforward, almost nonfiction, Mm -hmm. but it still feels like it is something else. Like the, just by calling it fiction, I all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I'm escaping to somewhere else. Even if it's the next universe over from ours, it's not ours. Well, it's like, um, it's why
0: I think, people think of uh detective novels as sort of like the or mis- mur- uh, murder mysteries as like the lowest common denominator of fiction mm-hmm. is just but like the thing that it does and the reason why it's so popular and why there's a million mystery writers is because that you draw that straight line right through life and it's so funny because that is actually what the best non-fiction does is it takes the takes the little bits of someone's life or this one crazy thing that happened and it turns it into a narrative. Yeah. And the best nonfiction does that. But for some reason I have the most bizarre and labyrinthine and I can't even define it vetting process (laughs) for how I get there. Um, But I, I, you know, like there's like devil in the white city Mm -hmm. by Eric Larson or even Truman Capote in cold blood, both of, books are two of my favorite things I've ever read in my life. Partially because they draw this amazing straight line through life and they, they create this narrative. But at the same time, there's stuff in there that like, like it's the whole reason I don't want to read nonfiction where it's just like, you know, three pages on where Calvert Vox's dad was born. Yeah. And it's just like, that's not, I mean, I get it. Like we need the context, but I think it's that context. It's that, it's that context drawing that really is what is my personal lo- roadblock. I read recently um, Liberty's Torch by Elizabeth Mitchell mm-hmm. about the uh, building of the Statue of Liberty. It's an incredible book. If you're interested in the Statue of Liberty, it's amazing. But if you're just like looking for a really good nonfiction book, there's something that she does where she like will give the history of someone that's only partially like a part of of the narrative and I'm wondering like, why did I spend so much time there? And I end up skimming and then Mm. I wonder why did I pick up this book at all? But at the same time, like I said, like I loved it because it is an incredible telling of the building of the Statue of Liberty and the facts of the building of that are insane. Right.
1: I mean, there's something interesting that you bring up here that ability to tell a nonfiction story as though it were fiction some of the best nonfiction. I mean, Truman Capote is an excellent example. in oh. In Cold Blood, he's he's and a fiction writer. And isn't that isn't that I mean, isn't that the, kind
0: of also the problem with In no Cold Blood? Isn't it didn't well, it turn out he made up some of it? <laughs> or yeah,
1: did... or p- potentially, but at the same time, it or um all of the kerfluffle around James Frey's first book, where like it turns out that a lot of it was fiction, even though he sold it as a memoir. It's. It comes back to the question of like the the Ben Lerner novel, where it's like if you're telling this story but changing just a couple. Is it fiction? Is it nonfiction? But that writing it with with a fiction writer's eye is what allows you to move through the story, I think, in a more appealing way to someone who reads mostly fiction. I mean, like that's my problem with so many celebrity memoirs, is that you're like you might have a really interesting story, but like. Dear Keith Richards that book is edit. at times it just whoa
0: yeah <laughs> dear Keith Richards edit <laughs> love drew and christopher but yeah i think the celebrity book is a is a particularly interesting one because like uh, in the business i feel like one of the easiest things to do as one of the easiest ways to make like a you know a quick buck is to is mm-hmm. to jump on and hire your ghostwriter and write your celebrity memoir
1: whatever that might be the ghostwriter thing always freaks me out because like it was something that I was not familiar with when I started reading things in general, uh-huh. and then starting to realize that like most celebrity memoirs have a ghostwriter, but like and I don't know the answer to this, but Sting's autobiography, okay. which I actually really loved because it doesn't like it ends... You read
0: Sting's autobiography.
1: I Why? adore Sting. <laughs> you do? Yes, immensely. One of the most talented musicians. Of all time, we'll go into this later. <laughs> Sorry, I'm interrupting. Christopher your point. <laughs> Christopher is giving me what can only be called a disbelieving, <laughs> laughing look right now.
0: I think you can hear it. Yeah. <laughs> I, gonna, I just. Um,
1: are you gonna see his musical? I already have. How was it? I didn't see him in it. The no, music that's... is awesome. <laughs> the the musical is not so great. Um, oh my god. <laughs> But all right, anyway. I'm so glad we got here. I know, right? So Drew is a huge Sting fan. Immense Sting fan. More than more than The Police are Sting. I grew up listening to Sting and then found The Police. But so the the autobiography ends with The Police about to go on stage for like their first serious concert. Oh, that's cool. So it's it like it is actually this guy's story of like growing up and he you know, he didn't The Police didn't really become big until he was in his late 20s. Well,
0: I got to say that That like, I'm actually kind of interested in the whole like, like Bob Dylan's Mm -hmm. biography where he, autobiography, where he kind of, he doesn't even talk about writing music. Like he doesn't, Mm -hmm. there's barely music in it at all. And it's kind of great because it's like, yeah, I
1: mean, Bob Dylan, we know your life that's close to music because you wrote about it in your lyrics. I think it's really cool when that sort of thing, but I just, I get so nervous that like this book that I genuinely really enjoyed because it's somebody who I really like, but like, oh my God, was it written
0: by somebody else? but who? He could. He's a songwriter. He's not a writer. Yeah. So, although, like, and if as, they had as let you, as you, as you found out by
1: watching the, the last Shit. Listen, if they had <laughs> let him write the book of that musical, it might have been better. There, I said it. <laughs> all right. You're crazy.
0: <laughs> Look, Drew, don't stand so close. <laughs> <laughs> We're just gonna try to get police references in now from the end of the episode, right? <laughs> I think that's my. That might be my last one.
1: <laughs> oh, all right. Well. <laughs>
0: something something red light (laughs) something roxanne when i think roxanne i think of steve martin with a big nose i do not
1: (laughs) all right no that's fair
0: i do not think of sting so i don't know what that says about me
1: roxanne Well,
0: my problem with the celebrity book is it's rarely what you want. It's rarely going to tell mm-hmm. the story that you are most interested in. The most recent example of this is Amy Poehler. Yeah. Her book, Yes, Please. I'm, I was pretty interested in reading that book, partially because um, you know, the comedy husband and wife duo of Will Arnett and Amy Poehler broke up. And I was kind of thinking like, her book is going to touch on that. But it literally says, I can't write about that because it's too painful. Right. Which, okay.
1: It's a valid thing. There's a hole in your life. This person has left.
0: No, yeah. But also. But also, it was was one of the big reasons why I was sort of interested in her memoir. Just because I'm like, what happened? What happened? You guys. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I felt the same way. I want them to be together. I don't know anything about them. (laughs) We read... And all of you read... Hopefully. Uh, um, Lena Dunham's Not, not that, that, that Kind, kind of Girl. <laughs> Which,
1: actually, let me ask you this real quick before we start talking about the book in particular, because this book, while it is celebrity memoir, quote-unquote, right. it right, is also very much a, seri- a collection of essays.
0: And she even says it's, it's, it's set up like an advice book at the beginning.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That sets it up nicely because... And I feel like this book... I mean, God, it has such a gorgeous cover. Chip Kidd doesn't agree. Um, really?
0: Yeah, he he criticized it. He's like, what are these 1970s fonts? It's like, that's, I mean, <laughs> that's the whole that's point. That's exactly <laughs> the point, Chip Kidd.
1: Um, but this this thing of collections of essays I find are more, I'm more interested in reading a collection of essays than I am of reading nonfiction or a memoir. Partially, I guess, because you can dip in and out. Right. But, I, I, like, I think there's something to that. Like, John Jeremiah Sullivan's Pulphead mm-hmm. is one of my favorite books because it is this collection of really insightful essays that, like, I read over the course of six months. Right. His Michael Jackson essay is so good. Yeah. 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 Um, what was your question? No, I guess, does that, <laughs> does it make you, as we talk about not wanting to read nonfiction, do you find yourself when you do read nonfiction, do you veer towards essay collections or do you veer towards you know a single topic?
0: It's like I said, I don't, I don't really understand my vetting process. And to tell the, tell you the truth, when I, I was, I had completely written off this Lena Dunham book as just like, mm-hmm. me too. Like she's an oversharer of the highest order. And, and she seems fine. I mean, I watch girls, but I, I kind of was like, I think that's all the Lena Dunham I need. Is you know twelve episodes of Girls a year, um, and I didn't I didn't think I was going to read it until I read the excerpt of the book about her in therapy in the New Yorker, oh. and that when I was reading that particular essay alone, I was like, wow, actually, she's a very sophisticated, very interesting writer, and sort of, it, I'm not gonna lie, part of my Thing with Lena Dunham is just, just abject jealousy. Sure. She has an incredible life. She has she got three and a half million dollars to write this book. Yeah. She has a television show, which is highly regarded, if also highly criticized. And she she hangs out with Taylor Swift on the reg. So.
1: (laughs) I've been spending the last couple minutes just trying to come up with Sting references that I can drop into the rest of the episode. That's fine, I understand. Um but anyway, I watched the first season of Girls and then I stopped. Why? I just I re- I liked it and I liked tiny furniture, but I was just like, I'm living not this life, because this life is like a ridiculous version of the life that all of us are living as 20 somethings, but I was like, I don't wanna watch this in the same way that like I don't want to read nonfiction. I want like when I look at a story oh, okay. yeah, I want yeah, to yeah. go somewhere else. I'm with you. Um I'm
0: with you. I mean, I told you why I decided to pick it up. What made you decide? Was it the was it me asking you to read it for the podcast?
1: No, it it, it had been sort of in my mind of like, oh, maybe I want to read this. Why? Um curiosity, to be honest. That sense of you are this very talented young woman who is an immensely polarizing figure. Yeah. Actually,
0: that's part of my interest in her, too, is just, like... But, like... I hear more hate than love for her. Yeah,
1: but why? Like, is it just because she is a, a smart, outspoken white female? Maybe. Like, but it's that thing of, like, I have never been able to understand why, other than jealousy, people have been actively... Actively hateful towards her, like you can dislike what she does. I
0: feel like there's a there is probably a a graph to be made of the mm-hmm. of the age of the person criticizing Lena Dunham and <laughs> and how much they hate her. And yeah. the the closer you are to Lena Dunham's age, the more the, the, <laughs> the, the higher it gets, the the redder and and angrier it gets. But yeah, and so I thought. I mean it this book had every kerfuffle to you use your word. Yeah. Every, this book had every kerfuffle a book could have. I mean oh, yeah. the the proposal leaked. Mm-hmm. Uh the right-wing conservatives willfully misinterpreted uh like two lines from mm-hmm. from from a that amid, admittedly are in sort of bad taste but like yeah, like kind of everything she says is in bad like she well, she, she enjoys like... being polarizing I think. It's hard for me to to criticize her on that, because I think, like, in every comment thread where people are talking about these this particular um molestation charge, there's so many people that are just like, I'm so glad someone said, like, some of the weird stuff you do as a kid, because you do a lot of weird you stuff. You do a isn't? lot of weird <laughs> stuff as a kid, like, because you're a kid. Yeah, and you have you no idea.
1: You have no idea because you don't like.
0: And but the thing is, is she she put that through a twenty five year old's lens. Yeah. And I think that that's what people makes people react to it. But it's still there, and she still kept it. It's interesting, but it's not. It's not a. It's not a put her behind bars.
1: <laughs> no, I mean it's, it's. I don't know.
0: I I don't. I don't get that. But she also. And then the, she's also sued by by that guy. Speaking of the right wing. Yeah, uh, Barry, and. It, you know she's the later versions of the book are going to have the name changed and it's interesting yeah and you know it's but ultimately above all of the skerfuffle for me the book was an
1: enjoyable read oh absolutely it's well written it's very funny it's very funny and then there are these moments that are also really heartfelt in a way that if if you are close to your family cuz i feel like that's that's something that came away, that I came away, like having watched Tiny Furniture first. That was mm-hmm. my first introduction to Lena Dunham. And like that it's her family in that movie. Right. And isn't it,
0: isn't her mom actually
1: in it? Oh yeah. Her mom, her sister, like they are in the movie playing sort of characters of themselves. And her dad is quoted on the back of the book. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but like, I lost a bet with my girlfriend <laughs> because I thought Carol Dunham was a woman, but it Yikes. is her father's
1: name. Like I don't, I don't think she's trying to be inflammatory. I don't, I don't think that's actually what she's trying to do. I think she just genuinely. Well, she's is... just putting
0: herself out there. And something that she says in the book, and something I think is true, is she she kind of just says she says it all. Mm-hmm. But she also every criticism that we've ever levied against Lena Dunham, she has. <laughs> levied against herself at some point. Yeah. And felt deeply and and I think that the criticism that you the fa- I think that it must be very painful for her to hear a criticism that she has thought about herself stated succinctly by someone else. Um that's going to be hard. Sure. And and, and in and I and you know she's still putting herself out there. She's putting out a, a, a book on the largest publisher in the world. You know, like so. Yeah, she's she's asking to be criticized for these things. That's part of the part of what happens when you when you agree to write a three and a half million dollar book. And speaking of three and a half million dollars, this book is what three and a half million dollars buys you as a celebrity <laughs> memoir. It's beautiful.
1: It's, it is from top to tail. It is yeah. a beautiful object. Yeah. It's got,
0: it's got, it's got a great cover. Chip kid. You're crazy. <laughs> um, the end peppers, end papers, and, 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 end pep- and
1: peppers, uh, and peppers. If you buy them at Ursk, <laughs> the end peppers
0: are beautiful. Uh, the, the illustrations by someone, if they're not actually Judy blooms, um, Uh, illustrator, they're certainly working in that um, in that vein, yeah. Yeah. It's just it's a very beautiful book, even with the little L D on the top left corner of Mm. the
1: of the baby blue actual hardcover. It just it's like you look at it and you're like, yes.
0: Yeah, it's a nice object. And you
1: also you get the sense that she was probably involved in every element of it.
0: Yeah. It's very personal. And and laying laying herself bare as she did, I think is very brave. And and she really is saying, like, if you like this, great. If you don't, well, I, I also hate me, so.
1: I love what she says in the opening about how if... I forget what the exact quote is, but she says something along the lines of, like, if this book helps you make one decision better, and, like, the thing is, like, stops you from having the kind of sex where you want to keep your shoes on in case you need to run away in the middle of it or something like that. But, like, that idea that she's not she's not trying to, like... Even the quotes around Learned on the front cover. Perfect. She's not trying to yeah. teach you something. She's just trying to be like, look, here's what happened to me. Maybe you associate with this. Maybe you don't. Do you want...
0: So she's she's working in two modes here. Um, and then sometimes she's like going, like recasting some of the things that have happened in her life to be comedies. And sometimes she's actually being quite heartfelt. Yeah. So let's... I'm going to... We're going to redo two. two. Yeah. To kind of so bo- show both modes, so why don't you read the, the bit that you liked from um, the essay about her sister?
1: Yeah, this essay is called Grace. Um, mm-hmm. I'm very close with my sister, and there's something about this that just like, oh, yeah, as an older sibling, I don't know, it just resonated with me very much. Mm-hmm. Um, this is towards the end of the essay. Grace is graduating from college. The four years since she left home have lessened her mystery and deepened her sense of self. She's emerged as a surprising, strange adult. Still prone to bouts of moody distance, but also possessed of a high cackle and a desire to have constant and aggressive fun. Sometimes she hugs and tickles me, and her long, cold fingers annoy me, a reversal of fortune I never imagined possible. When she writes, which isn't often, I get insanely jealous of the way her mind works, the fact that she seems to create for her own pleasure and not to make herself known. Which, like that is just that, to me that is a beautiful statement to say about anybody but that the sibling thing like that it just feels honest that essay and a lot of the the moments where she speaks about her family and everything really resonated with me in a in a marvelous way and humanized this person who otherwise is sort of like this weird famous person
0: mhm mhm um I'm gonna read a bit from my favorite essay in the book, Little Leather Gloves, which is also the place in the book that I kind of, as I was saying with with um, Amy Poehler, something that I kind of wanted from this book was was sort of like, how did she, how did she do it? You know, how did she become who she is? Mm-hmm. And she kind of doesn't do it. She doesn't say. But in this essay, she gets closest to explaining how girls came about. Yeah. Um, she does that thing that like is in all of these memoirs or in all of these types of things where they're like, and somehow, and you're just like, wait,
1: (laughs) right. They all of a sudden get really bashful and it's like you guys.
0: Yeah. So this is, um, this is after she was making a web series with her friends. The first time I showed my father the footage, we were sitting at our dining room table. He took a long sip of tea, then asked, Uh, why did you have to do this? And yes, it was broad, amateurish, a little vulgar. It didn't have narrative propulsion or cinematic graces. But watching it now, I can also feel the giddiness, the joy of creation we were all experiencing, the catharsis of admitting to our situation. It jumps off the screen. It's silly and obvious and high on its own supply, but it's something. It's a step forward. People who weren't my father kind of loved it and we were invited to present the videos in a small gallery on Green Street in Soho. In an attempt to remain staunchly rooted in the conceptual, we decided to decorate the gallery like the replica of Isabel's apartment. We hauled all our worldly possessions across Canal Street, including a treadmill, Isabel's couch, and some family heirlooms. We pulled all-nighters decorating the space lovingly, and I insisted on wearing painter's overalls to complement my new identity as a serious artiste. Yeah,
1: I mean, I love that essay too because it, it captures that sense of being young and just feeling like you need to create something. Yeah.
0: I, I don't know, I was fascinated by this book.
1: Yeah, that I think is a great way to put it. It is a fascinating book. Yeah. Because you you will go in inevitably with preconceptions about what you're going to see. Maybe you're right, and maybe you're wrong. And but, that's a
0: celebrity memoir, really. Yeah. Is if celebrity essays, whatever, you go in thinking that you know what is going to come out. I think this book does
1: a good job at at both living up to and defeating at the same time any preconception that you might have going in. Yeah, it's got both, which yeah. is crazy. Yeah, and a- it,
0: and that's Lena Dunham, really. She's polarizing for a reason.
1: True, very true.
0: Do you have a nonfiction recommendation?
1: Do I have a nonfiction recommendation?
0: Yeah, I'm putting you on the spot.
1: All right. Actually, I've already mentioned it today. Uh, Lawrence Wright's Going Clear okay. is harrowing, mm-hmm. I think is one of the best words that I can use to describe it. It's his very long, very in-depth um, book-length exposé in and exploration of Scientology. Mm-hmm. Not only the religion as founded by Hubbard, and it goes through his whole history, Hubbard's, and... All of that, but it also dives into what the what the church has become, mm. and just how absolutely abjectly terrifying that church is today. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's just written with this aplomb and this seriousness of tone that is still. It's like the best old school news anchors, mm-hmm. that tone that they had where you just trusted them because of the, like, you knew that they had done their research, like the Edward R. Murrow thing.
0: Now I wish Walter Cronkite read it.
1: Yeah. Oh, my God. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Do you have some nonfiction for us?
0: Yeah. Actually, another comedy person, um, I mentioned him earlier as well. Uh, Steve Martin's Born Standing Up. Yeah. Uh, I recommend listening to it. He reads it. And it's it's really interesting, and he has proved himself time and time again to be an absolutely incandescently brilliant writer. Yes, and and born standing up is him at the top of his game, and you kind of really understand him, and and he and the best thing that in the book is it sort of explains why he quit stand up, hmm. and uh, I don't know I. I think about it all the time. I, I might revisit it soon. I, I, I read it a couple years ago, but that is a, that's an incredible book.
1: He's an incredible guy. Yeah. A wild and crazy guy, as they say.
0: Yeah. I don't know who says that, but they're probably right.
1: Yeah. Somebody says that. It's Steve Martin. Who says <laughs> I know, that? I know. I oh, know. All right.
0: <laughs> so yeah. Uh, next week. Not next week. Two weeks. Yeah, next other Monday. <laughs> <laughs> the
1: next time we see you,
0: yeah. hear you, no, you, we hear see. us. When you load the podcast, we can use your webcam.
1: Yeah. Thanks, iTunes.
0: Thanks, iTunes, for that creepy thing. Yeah, no, Stephen King. We're going to discuss him and his work and Revival, his newest book.
1: Indeed. Master of modern scary fiction. hmm Stephen King. So, yeah, pick up Revival or your favorite Stephen King I don't know Tweet at us Let us know what your favorite Stephen King is Oh
0: yeah You can do that for sure Yeah So We'll see you then Yeah There's so many damn Stephen King books
1: (laughs) Oh you got it this time Damn (laughs) it Every
0: little thing she does is magic Everything she do just turns me on And even though my life before
1: was tragic Now I know my love for her on.
0: that's them that's them do do do
1: it's all i want to say to yeah that's the police man now i know my